powerful collaborations, cutting-edge science, and curious minds coming together for a glimpse of the future. Stay tuned as we look at the latest updates on some of the most promising technology projects. In this episode, we look at the car 2 terra project. This is a new effort to push the automated vehicle a little closer to reality through the use of advanced radar. But what's needed before we can actually let go of the steering wheel? Hello and welcome. I'm Peter Ballant, and today we are in the Technicon studios speaking with Joachim Oberhammer. He's the scientific lead for a new project called car to terra which looks at using sub-terahertz frequencies for self-driving vehicles. Welcome to our studio. Thank you very much. And the first question I have for you is, can you give us just the overview of this project, car to terra So this is a recently started uh, European project. Uh, so it's funded by the uh, European Commission, and it involves uh, several countries uh, in Europe. And the main focus of this is to utilize uh, state-of-the-art uh, terahertz technology. So that's, that's uh, electronic uh, technology, which is utilizing the terahertz frequency spectrum, which is um, 100 times higher frequencies than mobile phones, for instance. And we want to utilize this uh, frequency spectrum with um, recent technology to uh, create um, uh, a new car radar sensor, which is um, for passenger safety in the cabin of the car, so monitoring uh, the passengers in the pre-crash and post-crash scenarios. And the second track in this project is also on creating new um, high-frequency technology for wired communication links, uh, and this is mainly in uh, base stations for mobile phones, and uh, where there's a currently bottleneck in how to interconnect these base stations. And uh, that technology should uh, be able to boost and uh, 5G and beyond 5G uh, telecommunication systems. You mentioned radar systems, and uh, you say you're uh, looking at developing radar systems. And I'm thinking, okay, my car has a radar. When somebody's in my blind spot, it tells me. Um, is today's technology just not good enough, or does it need something different? So there are different types of radars which are which are used in cars nowadays. And as you mentioned, you have the forward-looking radar, which is for for crash uh, or, or, or detecting uh, obstacles in front of the car. And then you have the sidewards and the corner radars. Uh, and this is a, com- a completely new radar sensor application in a car scenario. So this doesn't exist uh, at the moment. So there are no comparable radar sensors yet. So this would be a radar which is inside the car, monitoring the positions and the behavior of different parts of the bodies of the passengers, mainly uh, in, a, in a crash scenario of the car. And uh, currently uh, for this uh, application, uh, there's cameras being used, but cameras uh, totally fail because in a crash scenario you have within um, milliseconds, you have to take decisions. So the car has to take decisions, which kind of airbag to inflate. And uh, cameras are too slow for that. And also cameras don't have the necessary contrast, uh, like if there's strong sunlight or if it's very dark. So um, right now, automotive um, car manufacturers are looking for alternative sensors here. And here, a high-resolution radar uh, could be a solution. And that's the reason why there's interest in uh, using a new radar sensor, which is operating at much, much higher frequencies than conventional car radars. Because with much, much higher frequencies, you have much higher resolution to resolve 
the situation inside the car. So this is for improving situational awareness of what happens in the car and then to take uh, measures uh, for minimizing the injuries to passengers in the cabin. So it's safe to say that these uh, radars, these cabin monitors, they look to see what's happening. And if there's an airbag uh, requirement, it looks to see which airbag to deploy first and then create a sequence. Yes, like for instance, if if the, the car knows how the head is moving during the crash, depending on that, the the sequence of of inflating different airbags because it is, can be a sequence of airbags not only a single one that the sequence of airbag uh, can be can be controlled by knowing how different body parts are moving and this is even more important uh, in future scenarios like when you think about autonomous driving because then the the passengers will sit in the car not being attentive to what happens now right now a driver is very attentive and see what happens but in the future people might be almost like lying around in the car or reading books. So, so then it's very important for the, for the car to know where are the passengers, what are they doing, how are their body parts moving if, if a crash scenario happens. Okay. And uh, what is it about the uh, terahertz frequency that makes it especially suitable for this um, application? Mm-hmm. So conventional uh, radars, in particular car radars, have a quite low resolution. Like it's a... Uh, even centimeters or, or, or worse than centimeters resolution. And that's enough to look whether another car is in front of you at a hundred meter distance. So it's also enough to do detect whether a car is approaching from the side. It could be a side crash. So it's good for external radars. But for internal um, in-cabin monitoring, you need much higher resolution because you want to be able to distinguish. You want to see the head, for instance, and want to de- uh, detect whether how the different limbs are moving of the body. So you need much higher resolution. And for that, in principle, you have to go to higher frequencies to get higher resolution. And in the future, this could be even thought of detecting like the directions in which the passengers are looking, for instance. And for that, you need very, very high resolution radar. And with this high resolution terahertz um, wave, what other uses do you have for this? Well, currently, terahertz technology is mainly used for for like radio astronomy applications uh, it's used for for environmental sensing like there there are subterrahertz sensors in satellites who are monitoring clouds and and ice developing in clouds so this is for for weather surveillance also for pollution monitoring so the, for measuring air qualities so terra technology is used for that there's also medical applications for, for terahertz technology. Um, there is um, also telecommunications very interested in going to terahertz technology because uh, you have very, very large bandwidth, so you can have huge data rates um, going over, over terahertz frequencies. So there's a lot of uh, applications which really, really would need this frequency spectrum, but technology is not mature enough. So that's a key uh, point in this project. We are developing um, next-generation terahertz technology uh, and using also uh, industrial-grade um, um, electronics for that. So it's not only it's not only a research focus itself, but we are trying to use industrial-grade um, processes for that. That there can really be a, a quick uh, commercialization of uh, of u- utilizing this technology. So in this project, the Cartutera project, are you making anything? Are you designing something? Are you making a prototype of something? 
Yes, we are making uh, two different prototypes in this project, and uh, one will be this uh, car radar sensor, so this in-cabin uh, car radar sensor that we are prototype, and that will be developed together with an automotive system supplier, um, which is Vionia. And that's one, the, the primary prototype. And there's also a secondary prototype, and that is uh, together with Ericsson, and that is about uh, about the routing terahertz signals over plastic uh, wires that's similar to a glass fiber network which people might have at home nowadays but uh, it has a very large bandwidth and uh, it's uh, low cost also and is much more robust uh, because the glass fiber connections are very prone to have problems with dust particles for instance so there's a very big uh, reliability issues and it's terahertz over plastic fibers uh, might solve a lot of problems and make the interconnections in base stations much more cost-efficient and also more reliable. Okay. How would you position this project technologically worldwide? So basically there are different aspects and uh, different technology building blocks which are put in together in this project and some of them are, are very, very cutting-edge technology. So like we are using uh, a silicon micro-machined uh, platform technology for that. And there is only a few players in the world who can do that at the moment. Uh, and then another interesting aspect here is that we are trying to use uh, silicon germanium semiconductor technology in that project. And here we actually we are using industrial grade semiconductors. So, and that is actually quite challenging to to uh, utilize this uh, industrial-grade technology at these very high frequencies. So from that point of view, I think this might even be the first project uh, attempting to do that. Um, so there, there are several aspects which are really world, this project is worldwide giving uh, new directions. You had a kickoff meeting today to start this project. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it was very interesting to meet uh, all the partners and to see the the motivation in the eyes of all the people. So that was very nice. So this was a very good consortium and people seemed to be very eager and uh, engaged in the project. And uh, of course, there we also discussed technical issues. So there's a couple of critical points in the project uh, which uh, might fail, which need special attention. And uh, these uh, points were discussed and uh, where there were actions taken uh, for for how do we uh, tackle the project and uh, how do we get started in a very smooth and efficient way. What does success look like in this project? Well, success here would mean that the industrial end users in the project, and that's Vionier, the automotive system supplier, and also Ericsson, the uh, telecommunication system supplier, if they would, uh, in the end of the project, uh, be happy with the prototype and uh, utilize them uh, in their next next generation products, for instance, and see, okay, this technology which we want to use, which makes sense for us, and we can go on to industrialize that. I think that would be the main success in the project. Of course, for us, I'm from an academic, uh, uh, from a, from an academic environment. Uh, of course, we are looking forward to doing very interesting publications. Um, which will get a very high impact uh, in the scientific community. Okay. Now, I read uh, quite a bit about technical readiness levels in the project summary. Can you tell us what that means? Yes. So this is a, a, a scale, basically, on which uh, 
different um, technology levels, like from very, very basic research to over prototypes, like proof of concept prototypes and industrial demonstrators, and finally towards products. So how do, how, where do you place the state of development in a, in a certain technology? And this project is characterized or classified as TRL, so Technology Readiness Level uh, 4, which is kind of quite high, actually, for this type of project, I would say. So this is clearly a bit more than just a proof of concept. Uh, uh, so it, uh, it's going a bit closer towards uh, industrially usable uh, prototypes. So it's also this radar sensor actually is intended to be used in a mock-up cabin in a car cabin at the at the car safety equipment manufacturer, uh, so it's it's a bit it's more than just a, a university laboratory demonstrator, and it's really it's very challenging, uh, of course here, but uh, I hope we can manage that. I know you're not from the automotive industry, but based on what you know and your experience working in this field a little bit, where do you see cars in ten or fifteen years? Well, cars will take over more and more functions from the driver. So we already have now a lot of car assistance function, uh, and that can be a brake assistance or stop and go assistant. Uh, it can be even be electronic stabilization program. So the car is kind of guiding the driver more and more, and this uh, path will clearly continue in the future. So uh, the, the final goal is, of course, complete uh, autonomous driving, which might be very far in the future, not only for technological reasons, but also for, for liabilities or for legal reasons. So there are several reasons why uh, this uh, autonomous driving is not that easy to implement. Uh, so there's a long road towards that. But clearly along that way, there will be more and more functions which the car can take over or, or assist the driver and also take more and more responsibilities uh, from the driver uh, to safeguard the driver mainly and to also, of course, to make driving as a more pleasant experience. Now, you also just finished up a project not so long ago called M3Terra, which also, again, looked at utilizing uh, sub-terahertz frequencies. Is there anything from M3Terra that you were able to exploit or that you will exploit? Can you bring over lessons learned from M3Terra to Car2Terra? Yes, uh, that we can very clearly. And uh, basically M3Terra was a project which was utilizing also a micro-machine technology platform, which is also the key, the center of this uh, Car2Terra project. We were at slightly lower frequencies, which made it easier. And uh, also the, the demonstrator was at a lower technology readiness level. And so basically the, the car to terra project is more ambitious, both when it comes to frequencies, when it comes to uh, the readiness level, uh, so it comes closer to actually an industrial uh, demonstrator, um, and also complexity of the system itself. So basically I would say, um, if we would not have had the M3Terra project before, it would be very, very difficult to, to go into this Cartotera project. And the other thing is also, we learned not only technology in M3Terra, but we also learned how to manage these complex projects because there's a lot of different technologies which have to be combined and people are speaking different languages. 
There are different interfaces which were not clearly defined from the beginning. So there were also a lot of technical management uh, issues uh, in Amfritera. A lot of things which we forgot when we wrote a project plan or we were not aware of critical points and a lot of risks which we did not estimate to that level uh, before. And uh, with that, of course, we go uh, with a completely different understanding, uh, both from a technology point of view and from a management point of view, into this new project. And I think it was you that said one of the uh, biggest challenges was managing expectations in industry and managing expectations in uh, academia, that these are two different two different playing fields, if you will, and uh, perhaps a challenge in moving a project forward. Yeah, there, is, there can be, of course, a clash of interest here between academics and industry, though actually I never experienced that uh, in this project, neither uh, in Amfritera, no, I don't expect it in Cartotea either. So uh, that's actually nice with this consortium that really everyone in this consortium is kind of playing, uh, rowing the same boat towards the same common goal. People are really working together on the same, on the common goals. So uh, I definitely don't see here a clash of interests between uh, academic or industrial partners or between different uh, industrial partners in the project. Can you tell us briefly a little bit about your partners in this, in this project? So there are several partners involved in the project, and uh, uh, we have several large-scale uh, companies. And that's Vionia from in Sweden is a, a large one of the world's largest automotive safety equipment providers. So that's the end user for the for this uh, car radar application. Then we have also Ericsson involved. Ericsson is one of the world's three largest uh, telecommunication uh, systems and service providers. And it's a secondary end use on this project. Uh, we also have uh, Infineon involved. So Infineon is uh, uh, one of the largest uh, semiconductor manufacturers and also micro-machining, so for um, microelectric mechanical systems manufacturer in the world. So these are the three big companies. And they are augmented by, by smaller companies, by SMEs. Uh, and here we, we have uh, Anderal, it's a company in Spain who is focusing on, on antenna design. Uh, and we have ENT uh, in Poland uh, who is uh, providing graphene material. So that's a new type of material for, for this project. Uh, and we have um, Technicon in, in Austria who is the, the coordinator of this project. It's a professional uh, project management company which is needed nowadays to run this kind of projects. And then we have the academic partners uh, providing uh, the state-of-the-art uh, technology, and that's uh, Chalmers in Sweden uh, doing um, the integrated circuit designs, and KDH uh, in Stockholm, also Sweden, from where, where I'm from, who is um, providing this micro-machine uh, integration platform for this project. And tell us your background. Uh, what's your day-to-day -day work like? Well, I'm professor in uh, in microwave and terahertz microsystems uh, at KTH uh, Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm, Sweden. And yeah, we are working in uh, frequency ranges nowadays from 100 gigahertz to uh, to one terahertz for different applications, uh, telecommunication, uh, radar applications, also also uh, radio astronomy applications, uh, some medical applications like we have done. Uh, a skin cancer sensor based on terrorist technology some time ago. 
So we are trying to exploit uh, new applications in the sub-terahertz frequency spectrum by using uh, micro-machining technology. Is there anything else you can add? Not really. So uh, I think um, I'm looking forward to have a very interesting uh, project uh, with uh, uh, interesting results and uh, satisfied uh, partners, in particular the industrial end users. And uh, I, of course, would like to acknowledge the, the funding which we received from the European Commission for this project. So uh, it's, uh, it's actually a very great uh, research uh, funding infrastructure in Europe available, which makes it possible to uh, tackle uh, these big technolo technological challenges. Uh, and uh, it's several million euros which uh, are, are used uh, in this project uh, to develop this new technology. And uh, so uh, we, I would like to acknowledge that. And um, yeah, I hope we can make the best out of, uh, out of the taxpayers' money and the, the, the taxpayers putting trust in us, basically, by giving us this money. And um, I hope we can make the best out of it. How long is this project? The project is scheduled for for 39 months, and that's a bit more than three years. Uh, typically, a project of this scale is scheduled for, for three years, and we already from the beginning asked for a slightly longer time because uh, there are a lot of technical uh, details which need to, need to be timed properly, and it could take some time. Uh, so we hope to complete this year in three years and three months. Thank you for speaking with us today, and thank you also for your contributions to this project, and we wish you much success for the project and for your team, and we'll talk to you again in a few months and see how you're doing. Thank you very much. This podcast has been brought to you by Technicon. The CAR2 Terra project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program under grant agreement number 824962.